this is Joy Gilfill and host of I Change Justice, where members of the Restorative Community Coalition talk civics with people who are living in the aftermath of an arrest. People confronting the compound dilemmas, ripple effects, and consequences on their family, friends, and taxpayers. Listeners' discretion is advised for this information can be disturbing and can trigger an emotional reaction. This is about lived experiences, discussed for taxpayer education, and to advance justice system reform. It is not to be used for legal advice. Hello, this is Joy Gilfillan with I Change Justice podcast, and I'm here with Paul Levy. He's the author of one of the books that I've read, which is Dispelling Watiko, Breaking the Curse of Evil. Now, I didn't want to read this book because I don't like the word evil because I don't necessarily believe in it. But then I realized that the opposite of evil is life. So I'm all about bringing our humanity and our world back to life by looking at what is the power of emotional intelligence, peace, humanity. What is the untapped potential of helping our world be a better place for future generations. So welcome to the call, Paul. That's my introduction. What about yours? Who are you and why did you get involved in this? And what do you care about this subject? Because you've gone pretty deep down the rabbit holes. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm I'm just so happy to be here. Thank you. And and yeah, why I, you know, I've written three books now uh, on Watiko, this mind virus. And, you know, um, to quote from the, one of the Carlos Castaneda books, um, Carlos's teacher says, Watiko, it's the topic of topics. There's nothing more important. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. If we don't come to terms with what Watiko is teaching us, because it's this, it's a revelation, but it's a revelation through the dark. It, instead of light coming from the heavens, it's like, you know, the actual, like, you know, uh, the, the light is emerging through the underworld up from the darkness of the unconscious. And it's actually this revelation, but if we don't recognize what it's revealing to us, it'll kill us. And and so why I became interested in this is from personal experience. You know, I'm 67 years old. When I was in my early 20s, I had a direct, unmediated encounter with, I didn't have the word Watiko, but I was calling it just, you know, this darker force or this archetypal evil. And it, it came, you know, into my family through the person of my father that's unimportant. The story isn't important right now, but it, it destroyed my entire family. I haven't had a family for over 20 years and it created such enormous suffering in me, just my encounter with this Watiko mind virus um, that it I, I went so deeply inwards dealing with my suffering that I had a, a profound life transforming spiritual awakening um, in 1981. So I was 24 and it immediately got me in deep trouble because it was, I was so enthusiastic of what I was realizing because I basically was having the realization that we're having a collectively shared dream that we're all dreaming up together. And it was basically, this is the good news of the Bible. I was realizing that and I was so ecstatic at what I was realizing and seeing the possibilities for humanity that um, it freaked people out. And within 24 <laughs> hours, I got hospitalized and diagnosed and medicated and all that. And I knew, you know, that the doctors had no idea what they were talking about because it couldn't have been made more clear to me that um, I was awakening to the dreamlike nature. And then I began to recognize, wait a second, this now psychiatry almost killed me. 
And I could not believe the insanity of what got acted out. And then I began to recognize the same evil force that was coming through the person of my father. It was like it had changed channels and was now coming through the system of psychiatry as if it was enfolded, this darker force in the non-local field in which we're all contained. And then I began to recognize, wait a second, this is the same non-local darker force that's coming through the body politic of humanity as if they were iterations of the same deeper fractal. And so that's when I began to recognize that my encounter with evil, it was actually like potentially teaching me something. It was showing me something. And for whatever reason, you know, like I said, it destroyed my entire family. And um, I actually was able, you know, I was tracking it and drawing maps and articulating it. And more and more, I began to realize, oh, my God, this is a living revelation that and that encoded, like, you know, the psychiatrist Young says, encoded in the powers of evil, there's a special purpose that's actually helping us and teaching us um, in a way that we wouldn't have been able to learn otherwise. And so that really helped me over years and years of, you know, going to therapy and connecting with my dreams and making art and studying young and doing Buddhist practice and shamanism and plant medicine and alchemy and breath work and every and anything under the sun to try to heal. At a certain point, this was probably 94, 93, 94, I began to realize, oh, my God, I have a gift now. I have something based on my ordeal. I'm not any enlightened person. I'm still a work in progress, but because of what I've been through, it was an initiation. I now have some sort of gift to offer to people. And that's when I began to teach. And that's when I began to write and publish my books. And so I'm pointing out that at the bottom, you know, of all the insanity and the evil that's playing out in the world is what, you know, the indigenous people call Watiko in the Bible and the apocryphal text, they call it the counterfeiting spirit. Every spiritual tradition talks about it you know, visionary thinkers, philosophers, artists, they all are pointing at Watiko, but in just different names. So I'm just a translator trying to synthesize all the different traditions and try to point at, look, it's pointing at something and it's a mind virus. And if people get edged out and think that's kind of crazy, all that that means is that the origin and the solution of our collective madness is to be found within the human psyche. And that's a no-brainer. Where else can our collective madness be found? And that's what Watiko is showing us. And that's what my work is about, is trying to help people to see the profound primary importance that the human psyche plays in creating world events. And so, you know, I, and of course, I'm, I'm sort of a nerd, so I study a lot and, you know, and I've written all these books, but my whole work, it's not, ba- I'm not an academic, I'm not a scholar, it's based on my own experience, a 24-7 experience that I've been having for over 40 years, and I'm trying to, you know, I've somehow been able to conjure up this medicine, and I'm trying to offer it to people to be of help. So that's a really short answer to your question. So it's actually psychological medicine. Oh, it's psycho spirit. It's psycho spiritual medicine, definitely. <laughs> well, it's really exciting to talk to you because it's it's interesting. Just a, a quick comparison for the audience. One of the reasons I'm so fascinated by Paul Levy's work is because I grew up on a farm and I didn't have all this psychological and spiritual teaching either. And my my knowledge of this whole subject started because I started to realize that if I was going up in the wilderness with my horse or to get my cows or whatever. And I allowed myths and the madness of 
stories that was coming off the the news and this was during vietnam my brother was in vietnam everybody was worried about you know i mean it was in the aftermath of the communists are coming and all this stuff and it and what i realized is that as long as i paid attention to that i would invariably get myself hurt out there in the word in the woods dealing with real life problems because i could make up myths and madness all over the place and it made me non-functional so i learned very early on that my best survival was to stay present in the real world with lived experience. And that brings me right back to the next question having to do with restorative justice, the prison industrial complex, the wars that we're dealing with, the madness of violence, perpetuating violence, because we don't know how to pull out of violence because we we get mad emotions and we strike back, something happens. I'm the president of the restorative, or I was the president of the Restorative Community Coalition, and now I'm the executive director in Whatcom County specifically. So I'm going to give you a case study so you can help me to unravel for people the way that the psychosis of this mad emperor disease, as you call it, the me disease, um, how that actually can infect an entire community or an entire coalition of people who are working in this field of noble cause. I mean, we want to help people. And yet this very field is very susceptible to the power, just like medical doctors, you get overpowered and nobody holds you back. So you don't have another place to go. So I'm going to take a quick break and I'll come back, Paul, while you think about that. And we'll start again, just in a second. Thank you to our sponsors. You can find links to them and a list of our donors on our website at the restorativecommunity.org. You can also donate to support our direct services and our restorative community outreach and initiatives by clicking on the donate button. Welcome back, Paul. Let's talk about that. What is this mad emperor disease and how does it work when we're talking about communities? I don't want to talk necessarily. Yeah, yeah, about yeah, sure. Yeah. So, so the mad emperor disease, ME disease, it's a mis, it's a me disease misidentified. It, it actually stands for, and I coined the term malignant egophrenia and me disease me disease and that's the equivalent term for watiko i i used that term before i discovered the indigenous term watiko and the way to understand it is that you know that evil can only because watiko is the source of the deepest evil but it also contains its own vaccine it contains its own medicine so it's a quantum phenomena there's a superposition of states it's the source of the deepest evil and it's helping us to wake up and how it depends, how it manifests depends on if we recognize what it's showing us. Now, the thing is, is that evil, yeah, it can, you know, we're all, so this thing about Watiko, which is the source of evil, it's enfolded holographically throughout the non-local field in the collective unconscious. So we all potentially have that. And, you know, any one person could, you know, fall prey to it at any given moment who hasn't acted out their unconscious or embodied and acted out their shadow in a way that's hurtful. We've all done that, but it can really operate more powerfully in the collective. In other words, when when evil gets into the Petri dish of collective humanity, it becomes contagious, okay, like a virus. And and it's the sort of thing where when somebody falls prey to Watiko, they typically become entrenched in a particular viewpoint. They become fixed in their viewpoint, feeling like they're in possession of, of the objective truth. And then they will attract other people who also are suffering from that similar malady of feeling, you know, oh, they're seeing, you know, what's true and they're in possession of the truth. And they actually reinforce each other's madness. 
and and that so it's a form of collective madness that propagates itself through the collective that's why that young talks about that evil really has its most power in the collective when when masses of people come together you know he says they attain the status of a fathead in the sense that they they really descend to the lowest common denominator and people they disconnect from their discernment they lose their individual ability to think to critically think and they just step into groupthink and that's a very dangerous situation and finally that's why that young says the greatest danger facing humanity is that you know that there are millions or even billions i would add of us that fall into a collective psychosis and that's absolutely what's happened current day and then we can destroy ourselves and that's what we're actually doing so the infection that i want to speak about when we talk about mass incarceration we talk about the jail industry we talk about talking to all these people who are coming out of jail they get mad the, the we have homeless riots we have you know the whole police thing that can get caught up and all of a sudden people are running down the road getting mad it's it's mad emotions just starting to infect everybody and everybody becomes triggered so when i was watching the way the bullies were working and the way you know people start say, oh you're a bully no you're the bully no i'm the bully and this whole psychosis of madness it's just it's like mad emotional reactivity that just can't stop so how do you right. talk yeah, about yeah, that? yeah. no that's part of uh, that's part of see with watiko one of the chief features is we accuse if i have watiko i accuse other people of doing what i'm unconsciously doing okay. so it's based on the projective tendencies of the mind it's a form of blindness but it's a peculiar form of blindness that actually believes it's sighted and that that doesn't know it's blind and so you know the idea of triggering each other like say if somebody triggers me my training that i've cultivated for years is that oh if i'm triggered wow what an opportunity for me to reflect upon what in me is being touched but most people if they're triggered by somebody else you see the unconscious is non-local and what that means or one of the things it means is that if i see somebody out there and they're playing out their unconscious or they're playing out with tico being non-local, it will activate my own unconscious or my own Watiko. And so then if they're like, you know, playing out their unconscious, I get triggered and I then I react to them thinking they're the problem and then they're going to react to me and it's an infinite, it's just a reciprocal, you know, endless, you know, triggering and re-triggering and re-traumatizing each other. And then it creates separation and misunderstanding between people who could have been the closest of friends and one way to think about that is in the background is Watiko, who's in the, who's feeding off of the polarization, the separation, the misunderstanding, you know, and and the fear. Because as soon as you see the other person as an other, well, once you see the other person as an other, there is fear, and um, and fear is the superfood for Watiko. So what you're describing that's typical of so many organizations mm -hmm. where all of a sudden there'll be this division, there'll be this polarization, and all of a sudden something where people were all on the same side and working for like a good end, they all of a sudden get, they start having a conflict and shadow projecting and demonizing, and it just creates a nightmare. And at the bottom of that is Watiko. And remember, Watiko is to be found nowhere other than within our own mind. So what's interesting is I'm as I'm listening to you, I'm actually looking at the nervous system and how the left and right brain work and how the the neurons work and the, the you know the the um, the the nerves fire between the left and right brain to make sense so that it can connect down to our heart center 
And so we can actually open to collective consciousness or wisdom or God or whatever it is that you're that you're listening to. So when we get wetikoed <laughs> or traumatized and we get scared, we end up sometimes splitting. They actually call it split brain in yeah, yeah. circles. And that split brain creates like this, this psychosis. And people will all often talk about the, um, you know, the people on the street that are um, split. Uh, it, you know what I'm talking about. They're talk. They are people who are talking and listening and speaking different words, and they got two or three personalities and all this stuff. Yeah. This is another version of what's happening in our physical, and what's happening in our individual f- physical can happen in any small city, any small group, any small organization, or anybody who's siloed and stuck into structural. Well, the thing you're saying, the thing about Watiko, you see Watiko. It's um it's such a profound idea. And um, you know, it's an inner disease of the soul that actually somehow has a magical ability to extend itself in the world and to express itself via world events. So, in other words, when you see these people, you know, say they're homeless and they're dissociated or schizophrenic or talking to themselves or fragmented, that's a reflection of that part of us in potential that's fragmented because one way of understanding what Tico and, and just well to go a step back when what I just said it's an inner disease of the soul that actually expresses itself yeah. synchronistically through events in the outer world that by the way is just like a dream when you're in a dream your inner process in your psyche is actually manifesting as the seeming outer dream now one way of understanding what Tico is that its basis is trauma. Think about when we're traumatized historically in time, what happens when we're traumatized? It's an overwhelming experience. We can't integrate it in the normal way. We can't symbolize it in the normal way. So we disassociate, we split. And that disassociated part, unless we integrate it, it it develops a seeming autonomy and seeming independent life and will of its own. In psychology speak, they call it an autonomous complex indigenous people call that a demon and and it's contrary to the will of the ego of us of, of our conscious identity and and that's what i'm describing that's what tico and um you know yeah. and if we don't recognize it it gains power because you're yeah. afraid of it well, i mean it's right like, and that's why what tico with it because what tico is terrified of being recognized because once you expose it and that's why my whole work is shedding light on how Watiko works both out in the world, through our reactions, through our unconscious mind, because as long as we don't see it, remember I said it's a form of blindness. Absolutely. As long as we don't see it, it has power over us. But, you know, in the Quran, in the last surah, they talk about, though, the, there's a warning about Watiko. It's funny, that's how the Quran ends, and it calls it the slinking prompter. And, and it prompts us to evil, but it's slinking because as soon as you, it looks really fearsome and powerful, but as soon as you shed light on it, you, it, you're seeing its feebleness and it slinks away because it's actually powerless. That's why Watiko will do everything in its power to stop us from seeing it. And that's why, you know, I had this direct unmediated encounter with it. And I've just spent decades of my life trying to turn people onto it, trying to help people to see it. Because when you see it, you take away its power over you and you become empowered. So what's interesting is we did an episode a little while ago uh, through the Restorative Community Coalition, the organization that I've been working with to try to understand mass incarceration, the madness of how how in the world are we 
pretending to sell freedom as the biggest gift to humanity here in America. And yet we're the number one taker away of freedom in the world and we make mass money off of freedom. So what is that? Right. That's like a, this paradox of weirdness. So when you started talking about the blindness is we actually did an episode calling, you know, calling out the civic blindness, the blind spots, the blindfolds, the way we put, you know, occlusions in front of our eyes so we can't see. So that was very right. powerful to hear you talk about that. Yeah, let's yeah. take a quick break and let's come back. And I'd like you to talk about how the pandemic has accelerated, exposed, brought people together, torn people apart. What is this? Because we had three years of trauma that we've been living with that's been cascading right. like dominoes. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with Paul Levy. Are you a member of patreon.com and enjoying our podcasts? As a patron, you can support the production of the I Change Justice podcast series. You can also support the Restorative Community Coalition, get our news, updates, and access to our digital training programs downloaded directly to your email address on a regular basis. Hey, come back, Paul, Paul Levy. Come back from this, this traveling that you're doing outside in these outer, outer reaches and talk to us about What's up today? Because we're in the 21st century. We're actually in 2023. We've been dealing with mass constitutional war. We're dealing with wars all over the world. All of these things are impacting us and our fear levels at virtually every level is, is exploding. And people are actually so terrified that they can't even think about the future sometimes. So I know in your in your latest book, talk to us about that and how you could imagine helping this large group of people that I'm working with in Bellingham and around the world to calm down, get centered, transform their life, or I mean, maybe that's not your answer. So talk to us about what you have learned. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Well, you know, I would say with all the wars, now there's the war and, you know, with Israel and, and the Palestinians. And um, I mean, that's been ongoing, but it, it just really blew up. They, you know, I point out in my work that that there's a war going on, but it's not the war that we hear about. It's the war on consciousness that uh -huh. continually being assaulted. And there's like this, you know, this incredible covert psyops going on, trying to massage our minds into the desired shape that the powers that be want us to have yeah. through the unbelievable propaganda. And um you know, and so that in, from my point of view, is the real war. And that was really evidenced by, we just came out of this, and like you were saying, this incredible pandemic. And I'm not going to get into, you know, was it real? Was it a pandemic? Was it it's a scandal? It's not about that. It's yeah, what do we do now? <laughs> yeah. And, but it's clear to me, I, I'll just express, you know, be authentic and honest. It's clear to me when I see it as a dream and I see, well, what is the deeper dreaming? That there are darker forces that are in, you know, in in our world and in our minds, you know, potentially everywhere that I point out are potentially helping us to awaken. But unless we actually can recognize what it's what the darker forces are revealing to us, they're offering us a gift. They're about centralizing power and control over us and taking away our liberties. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and from that point of view. So I study this stuff every day. I have a lot of friends who it's too dark. They get too depressed. They get too pessimistic. They get too filled with despair. They can't go there where every day, no, I've developed this ability 
to really go down the rabbit hole and want to know and understand the darkness and the evil so that it, I could even be more inspired to write a better book or whatever it is I do. And um, so I think that that's really, um, if we get caught by the fear, yeah, it's very frightening. Okay, it's fine to feel the fear, but you don't want to then identify with it or absorb in it or act out of that fear. Yeah, you have to not let the fear stop you because fear is the superfood for the Watiko mind virus. And I point out the solution really comes down to, I could say it a number of ways. One is to access our creative spirit, to get creative, because that is our nature. Our nature is to be creative. The second way of saying it is to connect with our true nature, you know, because our true nature is impervious to the negative effects of Watiko. Because Watiko, you see in the apocryphal texts, this is important. They call it the counterfeiting spirit. Watiko has no creativity at all, but it plugs into our creativity to the extent we're not using it, and it turns our own creativity against us. And what it does, here's how Watiko works. Wow, because it's, yeah. Yeah, hold on. What you just said is it's because we've gotten lazy and we're not using our creativity, so it takes right. it and uses it against you. Yeah, yeah, we've outsourced, we've outsourced our creativity. Oh, I'm <laughs> blocked, I'm stuck, I'm not creative. And then the powers that be are more than happy to use our own creativity against us. That's uh -huh. important. But here's here's how Watiko works. This is important for people to know. It's strategy. It's the counterfeiting spirit. It has no creativity, but it's a master impersonator. So it puts us on. It fools us. It offers us this limited version of ourselves. Oh, I'm traumatized. I'm wounded. I'm a victim of abuse. And as soon if we're not in touch with our nature, and if we then step into and identify with Watiko's version of ourselves, oh, I'm wounded, for example, then it has us, then it can manipulate us, then it can control us. Now think about what I just described. That's herd mentality. What, 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 what's that? That's herd mentality. Yeah, 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 no, totally. Yeah, and think about up. what I just, think about what I just described. So Watiko can't steal our soul, but it tricks us into giving our soul away. Then we identify with who we're not, then we forget who we are. And as a result of that, we disconnect from our creative power. That's our nature. That's a recipe for madness. That's what Tico in a nutshell. That's at the bottom, at the very root of the insanity that's playing out in our world. You know, it's funny. My mother uh, came from, her, her, her parents actually came from Poland. And one of the things that she used to tell me, she said, you know, she said, no one can take your mind unless you give it to them. You right are the only one who possesses what's in your mind and they can, they can hurt your body. They can hurt this. They can do this or, right. this or this, but you are the only one who can control your mind. So do it. Right. And it was, That's it exactly. was fascinating information. And what you're talking about is exactly what we've been learning right. from working in the mass incarceration. Right. right. And, and if yeah. I could just say one thing about that, you see, we have, each one of us have this unimaginably vast creative power. We've yes. been trained to think of ourselves as helpless. Oh, what can I, one person do? Um, only there's 8 billion, I'm one of 8 billion, I feel helpless, you know, with the evil forces. And yet, and quantum physics, that's why I wrote a book on quantum physics. Quantum physics actually is offering us, no, each one of us have this enormous creative agency to create our experience of ourselves and our experience of the world. But because we don't, we, we're unconscious of it, then the powers that be, you know, and I'm talking archetypically, I'm yeah. you know, not just people, but, you know, the deeper, higher dimension of the archetype, actually, then we outsource our creativity, we're dis disassociated from it, and then it gets used against us, 
in a way that's killing us. So basically what I'm, what Watiko is, we literally brainwash ourselves. We literally hypnotize ourselves by our own creative genius in a way that it's like, we're like, we, we um, create a cocoon around us so that we suffocate ourselves. No one else is doing that. We're doing that to ourselves. That's what I'm screaming about. That's what Tico, and no one is doing that to us. We're colluding in our own victimization. And to the extent we're unconscious of that, we're actually offering ourselves to the darker forces. So this is, this actually fascinating. I didn't know. Number one, I want to get back to listen to you about quantum physics book. I, I want to read that one. I didn't know you had that one. But the thing that fascinates me is this actually solves one of the problems that I'm seeing in the fentanyl crisis and in the self-destructive behaviors of people who get depressed and then they start harming themselves. I mean, I remember listening to a young woman from a most beautiful woman. I mean, she was just delightful. And then I found out later that she'd been cutting herself right, and was dealing with deep, deep, deep depression. And you would never know that. And so this- right this fentanyl crisis, the deep despair, the hopelessness, the destruction that we're seeing in the young people, part of that is this, we have no hope for the future, but part of it, and I think this is key to what you just said, is helping them find creative ways to change the world. Like one of the things I went and did a, a series in a, a home, homeless camps, bringing homeless people together to talk to me, because I wanted to understand what their their psychological background was and why they were refusing help when some people said, you know, we have emergency services, we have this. It was fascinating. They said, no, we need to get off the grid. And I went off the grid, living in a jungle in downtown Bellingham in a concretes and, and running away. I mean, how is that off the grid? And they said, off the grid of the madness of the medical and these political systems that want right. us to give us your socials, give us this and give us that and control you and put you on meds. I don't want to live that way. I'm, I'd rather live in the streets and try to survive. Right. So right. This actually is part of the root side. Talk to us more about that part, because I think that's fascinating. And I'd love you to share what yeah. you know, about yeah. helping to intercept that cycle. Yeah, well, you know, that, for example, for example, that woman you were talking about who was cutting herself, that's what happens. You see, the greatest poison in the human psyche is repressed or unexpressed creativity. It becomes toxic. So yeah. to the extent that we're not actively, consciously expressing ourselves creatively, that same energy that would potentially fuel our creativity turns against us and becomes self or other destructive. And so that's a very simple way of understanding it. But here's here's an example of what I'm talking about, about the profound power that each one of us have, just to invoke our creative imagination for a moment. And imagine you're in a dream and you're holding a viewpoint in the dream. Well, the dream being nothing other than a reflection of your own mind has no choice but to reflect back and give you all the evidence confirming your viewpoint. And as soon as it does that, now you have proof that your viewpoint is objectively true. So you become more fixed in your viewpoint and the more fixed in whatever viewpoint you have, say, oh, this world is objective, separate from me, then the world being a reflection of your own mind in a dream, it will give you just endless evidence confirming your viewpoint ad infinitum in a self-reinforcing feedback loop. What I'm describing where the person has entranced themselves, they've literally brainwashed and hypnotized themselves Oh, wow. by the creative genius of your own mind. What I'm pointing out is I'm fly, I'm shedding light on that process. I'm saying, look, to the extent we're asleep, we're all colluding in that process and we're actually participating in our own victimization. But when you see through that, that energy 
that same energy that was being invested in keeping herself asleep actually becomes available for expressing itself creatively with love and compassion. So I'm basically saying that each one of us, and this is where quantum physics comes in, we have this enormous creative agency and power. So in other words, we put we throw ourselves into a self-destructive trance that then consumes us. And the more we stay in it, it's so we become our own cult. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'd be, you know, like Jung has been saying for his whole career that the problem with humanity is that we need an exorcist. We're possessed. We're a possessed species. We are taken over by our unconscious in a way where he says the peculiarity of this very time we live in is that the unconscious is in the driver's seat. Now, the unconscious oh. is the is the, the sponsor of our dreams. So, yeah, we are dreaming. This is the revelation of our unconscious. But if we don't recognize that, then we're doomed. But something is being shown to us by what's happening, by the horror of what's happening. So what's fascinating is that you just answered another query that I've had in my own mind is that why is it that our law and justice system in Whatcom County is controlled by a body of people who are the most powerful people in the community, the prosecutor, the sheriff, the executive. They have the most power. They have the most entitlements. They have the most ability to stop the violence. And instead of stopping the violence, the more I've watched what they're doing, I watch them escalating the violence, right? So we get addicted. And then the more we need the leaders and the leaders say, oh, we need more jails because jails actually stop stop violence because they're a determined. That's actually not true. There's so many things that prove that everything these guys are saying is not true. But what the group does are, are their pods. They create these little task forces. And then these task forces are controlled by by more police. And so they team right. up and they hire yeah. consultants from outside, which is what you're talking about. In well, a different yeah. way. And then it all goes sideways and then everybody's afraid. And then everybody. Well, think about what I'm saying. This might really help to, to contextualize yeah. that. What Tico is an inner disease of the soul that explicates itself through the outer world. What yeah. you just described in you you know in your in, in the external world sure. is an actual reflection of how watiko works inside of a mind because think wow. about watiko it colonizes the mind it sets up a shadow government in the mind it'll dictate to the ego all the healthy parts of the psyche get subsumed into serving the the pathogen right and so and the monitoring system the the immune system of the psyche gets captured so think about the regulatory agencies in the world have gotten captured by the very, you know, energies they're supposed to monitor. So the inner and the outer are reflecting each other. So by seeing that play out in the world, it's actually giving you more insight into how the Watiko mind virus operates in an individual person's mind. And when you see that, you've expanded your consciousness. And by doing that, you more are able to connect with compassion. And by doing that, you unlock your creative spirit. You know, but if you think out there is separate and objective, you see, this is why quantum physics is offering us. This is what my book is about on quantum physics, that it's offering us the medicine for Watiko. Because as long as we think that this world and what you just described with the justice system is outside of ourselves and objective, we are actually, you know, then we're part of the problem. Then we're just reacting to our own projection. You know, so so let's talk briefly because I want to I want to finish on this quantum physics things because I've been studying quantum physics to look at how do these these interconnected bioenergetic frequency you know how does all this stuff work, and the desire to create life is the is the predominant desire of of life itself. I mean that's what motivates us. 
So when we started as a coalition, we started bringing people together in little tiny pods to say, how are we going to solve the problem? Let's assume that the government can't solve our homelessness problem, that they can't solve our, our any of it. Like they're stuck in their own pattern, just like you said. And what if we get out of it and we start working on the outside and we started to talk to the homeless and say, how could you fix the problem? And they started bringing us ideas. And then we started bringing in people from multiple other industries and professions to start working on it. What have you done in the creating our future potential realm using the wisdom that you've already accumulated about how to dissect what isn't working? What have you done to help us pioneer and look into what does work and how do we do it and who's doing things that are actually helping us blaze trails into a new consciousness in our yeah. government in our systems what what yeah. about that well i do that every day i mean i have all these groups i have four or five groups every week for 30 years that i've been leading and um you know and then my books where i'm trying to point out one way of understanding what tico is that it's the separate self and um, as soon as we identify with the separate self, we then experience the world as an object because, um, you know, to be a subject, we need an object to be in relationship to. And that's the trance. Then we're in duality and all that. But quantum physics is saying, oh, there's no objective anything. And once you realize that the world, that the, the act of observing this universe is actually influencing this universe, then you begin to discover, oh, wow, if there's nothing objective, what happened to the subject? There's no... <laughs> I don't exist as a separate self in the way I've been imagining I, I am. All of a sudden, the question is, well, who am I? So the point is with, for example, with my groups, and I have international groups and and two locally in Portland, they're, uh, they're for people who are awakening to the dream, awakening in the dream. And, and when you awaken in the dream, you recognize, oh, we don't exist as separate selves that I'm, I only exist in relation to you. Um, we are codependent. We're, we're actually um, interdependent, you and I. There's yeah. no separate self to be found anywhere. And that's true for all of us, not just 8 billion humans, but all sentient beings. There's, and that's what quantum physics is showing us. There's no separation anywhere. It's all one seamlessly whole quantum field. And when you recognize that, you know, the result is compassion. So that's why I have for 30 years, you know, so many groups, four or five groups every week, every week to really try to bring that in, you know, and and that's really, in a way, that's the cure for Watiko. And that's what Watiko is actually helping us. You see, Watiko, which is killing us, is the greatest catalyst for the evolution of the human species that we've ever known, because it's showing us who we are, that we don't exist as a separate self. It's showing us the primary role that the psyche plays in the creation of world events. And it's like a recurring dream. When you have a dream and you don't get the message, well, what happens? It recurs again and again in more and more amplified form. The nightmare gets more and more intense until you get the message. And then the dream has no need to recur anymore. This is a recurring dream we're having again and again and again. It's getting more and more amplified and it's revealing something to us. It's a living revelation, but it's a participatory revelation. We have to actually recognize what it's showing us to actually receive the benefits of the revelation. And if we don't do that, it will kill us. That's our situation. But if we do do that and we start going, you know, it's funny when I was in business, um, as a business coach and professional, we were often taught, you know, do just do just do one thing, just do one thing, focus on the one thing. And you, you know what, that's such, for me, it was garbage, because 
if I only focus on one thing, I have no dimensions. If I focus on three, the body, the mind, and the spirit, if I focus on three different societal problems, I can mix and match them and learn a whole bunch of stuff. And that's basically, in a way, what you're talking about. So in fact, the separation, the isolation that we created could be solved by simply taking our responsibility for our own creativity and our own messes and our own possibilities back into groups and building little tiny networks of public public groups that work on solving the challenges that they got in their community and then sharing that with other groups. Yeah. And through well, that I proliferation, would, it gets bigger. Yeah, well, I would say, you know, this is right from the work of, of, of Young. He talks about the solution can't be, it's not through legislation or it has to start with the individual. But then when an individual connects with who they are, with their true nature and their creative nature, and then they connect with another person who's also doing that. And then they connect with a third and a fourth and a 10th. All of a sudden, like you were suggesting, there are these pods that are, are actually in service to the whole. They've stepped out of identifying with the separate self. And the beautiful image in the collective works that Jung uses, when you dissolve a grain of sugar and a glass of water, it'll just dissolve and dissolve and dissolve the more grains of sugar you add until it reaches the saturation point. Then you add one more grain of sugar and a crystal will manifest. He says that's the way to understand how symbols manifest in the unconscious. And any one of us awakening in this moment or seeing our shadow or recognizing Watiko or unlocking their creativity or seeing the dreamlike nature, there are a lot of ways of saying the same thing. Any one of us doing that could be that grain of sugar that catalyzes a whole global awakening in the collective unconscious. And right. I think that's really a beautiful image. I think that's awesome. When I read that in one, one of the book sections, I just went, wow, that's a beautiful physics example. It's like you got water boiling on a, on a, on a stove and it just takes the one degree of shift for suddenly the whole thing to go crazy. And I'm, right. I'm looking at, a, at the concept of talking about the civic uh, political tsunami that we're creating, which is just, you know, we keep bringing all this stuff in and pretty soon when it hits itself, there's so many dominoes that fall and suddenly you got chaos. But right. what, what are other physics examples? I mean, I really, I'd love to have you talk to us and give us whatever clues you want about. Yeah. You well, know, well, I can, I can talk a little bit about quantum physics because I mean, I, I've studied it so much in, in that, you know, and how I came to it, I'm not a physicist at all, but I, like I said, I had this awakening. Uh -huh. I, I all of a sudden realized, oh my God, this is a collectively shared dream that we're all dreaming up. And then I began studying quantum physics and I realized, oh, quantum physics, this is what it's describing, exactly the universe I had fallen into. So before quantum physics, there was like Newtonian classical physics, which conceived of the world as existing objectively. And we were just passive observers trying to understand the working of this objective world. Then quantum physics, you know, in the early 20th century came into the world and into our minds, and it empirically proved again and again, there is no such thing as an objective world, that that's just an idea that exists mm -hmm. in our mind that has no correlate to reality. That mm -hmm. the act, like I was saying, the act of, the, of observing the universe actually influences the universe observed, which is to say that perception is a key factor in the equation of the universe and that the act of observation is creative. That's the rabbit hole. Once you go down that and you and you recognize, oh wow, the how I interpret the ink blot, you know, of wake up the waking world, how I place meaning on it actually influences my experience. 
and influences my experience of myself, influences my experience of the world. And so quantum physics basically was unlocking our creative nature that, you know, for example, to be specific, how they, you know, set up their experiments, the questions they asked, how they interpreted the data determined the answer they got back. It wasn't written in stone. They were participating in invoking the very answers they got back in the same way that how we actually view what's happening in our world is actually in a mysterious way influencing the way the world manifests and the way we manifest. So all of a sudden it's pointing out that it's like we have this, this talisman, this incredible heavenly like, you know, miracle like thing that we're all in possession of, i.e. the quantum, but we either don't know we have it or we don't know how to use it. And I'm pointing out when you tap into your nature. And I just want to point out that, you know, to say to tap into your true nature, that sounds like a cliche. What does that even mean? Well, our true nature by its very nature is creative. So when you tap into your nature, you become creative. You embody being creative. You express yourself creatively. And the more you do that, the deepen you realize your nature in a positive feedback loop that creates light upon light. And that's what's available to us. That is the solution to the myriad world crises is for us as a species individually at first and then to connect with other people. And one way of understanding this, imagine once again being in a dream and you're in a dream and there are all these other dream characters and say you recognize you're dreaming and you have this this lucid dream, right? Now, um, that's just you. What about your other dream characters who are aspects of you? What about if they start recognizing that you're dreaming too, and you begin to connect and hang out and contemplate what you're realizing. Oh my God, we're having a collectively shared dream and this dream is manifesting in such a limited, horrible way because we've been conditioned and programmed to dream it that way. But now more and more, just in our imagination to imagine this, more and more of those dream characters are realizing, wait, we're the dreamers of the dream. And we can come... (laughs) We can come together and change it. Exactly. We can dream the dream differently. We are being invited to consciously participate in our own evolution. That's what this is all about. But if we don't get that, then we're fated to destroy ourselves. You know, it's fun. I I, um, met a woman who's an economist, a global economist, and she's from Germany. We brought her over here to help us to understand what in the world is the economics, because the economics of the game is what's just, it's like an economic domination. And she did a talk for us. It's on the I Change Justice podcast, one of the earlier episodes. And she talked about the way that economics at its roots is defined and managed by this little character. He's a little stick figure called Homo economicus. And this little stick figure is defined as a selfish, self-serving, you know, emotionalist, greedy, basically a mad emperor character. So when that particular character was used to understand the basis of economics you can she showed statistics as how that drew drew us off into this cold miserable self-punishing world and it was a fascinating awareness and ever every time she gave ever since she gave me that homo economicus character i start to laugh about all the craziness that's going on out here because if you simply make that homo economicus guy a living caring, loving being, it changes every equation everywhere. So that's that relativity. I don't exist except relative to you. And if you give me a new idea, I change. That's an inevitability. Yeah, yeah. And that's a beautiful what you just described. I mean, that's really describing what Tico because what Tico is the identification. 
Jung calls it the fictitious self or the the false yeah. personality. There are a lot of the artificial self. There are a lot of different names he uses and that a lot of people use. But as long as we're identified with a separate self, oh, then it's all about me and I want to get as much for me and other people are seen as objects to be exploited. But when you step out, of that is what Tico disease, you know, and what Tico mm-hmm. is a collective psychosis, by the way, which is what we're in the middle of. But, you know, to actually snap out of that spell of seeing, you know, through the lens that we exist separately and recognize, oh, wow, we're like cells in a body that depend on each other for our own well-being. You know, we're interdependent, interconnected. You know, the expression of that realization is love, is compassion, you know. And And it's regenerative. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's regenerative. And it's endless, the source. It's not like, oh, there's a limited amount of love and compassion. And if you use up enough, you don't have any more. No, the more you access it, the more there is to access. It's never ending. You know, in a way, it's like the philosopher's stone. And the thing which is crazy, we already are in possession of it, of the philosopher's stone, of the Holy (laughs) Grail. You know, and even more than that, we are it, but we don't realize that. That's what I'm trying to point out is trying to like switch people on and turn people on in a way to who we are. That's such a cliche. But, you know, to our nature, because we are these these incredibly powerful beings. and But we don't realize that. That's the problem. So how can we help you, help us, help everybody, move us forward? What are the key things that people would like to know or get to? Or how do they join? Can they join your your conversations? Can you join some of ours? What's up? With yeah, that? not I'm so I'm I'm that's a good question. I mean, you know, I'm I'm super busy with so many things, so many, a lot of demands on my time you know, people wanting to talk to me and stuff. But I I think the best way, because I realize this is medicine. And so mm-hmm. I have a website. If people want to um, awaken, so URL? awaken in the dream, if they want to awaken in the dream, go to awakenindthedream.com. That's my website. It's not monetized. So because there's no paywall, a lot, you know, just about all of the stuff is free, except if they want to buy my books or book a session, there's a ton of articles And there's a ton of interviews just like this because I'm like wanting to get this out to people because it's so helping people. So that would be the way if people wanted to really, you know, more connect. So, so what I'm hearing is all of that is out outputting. Right. Are people able to put in or feed the cycle with you or what are the books even? Where can you buy those books? Do, yeah. Well, with the books or on yeah. Amazon or what? what yeah. With the books, books, hopefully in your local bookstore, but definitely on Amazon and on my website. If you want to get an autographed copy, you can get them on my website. And I'm still in the process because I have so many people who want to join my groups and I'm just one person. Right. You know, and I'm just like trying. I've been doing this for 30 years. And, um, you know, but people can email me and I'm happy to connect with them over email. And, you know, the point is so many people, I think, on the one hand, it's very dark and the collective insanity Mm -hmm. is just over the top. And yet more and more people are waking up and and getting creative. And I think it would be really I think I mean, I I don't think I know it's incredibly helpful to, to connect with other people who are also awakening and where we can all support each other. Because it's not a competitive sport. Who's more awake? But if I help you, it helps me because we're not separate. You know. So, so give me the names of your your major books so that people know what they're looking for when they go right. online. And sure, sure. Well, I wrote. I've written three go. books. Three books on Watiko. Um, there's there's dispelling Watiko. I think you have that right there. That's the first one. And interestingly, that came out in 2013. 
at the beginning of the year. And it's now it is now it's over 10 years later and it's selling more and more and more each month Excellent. because I think I was a little bit ahead of my time. And now I, I make a joke with people that if I had a marketing department, they couldn't do a better job publicizing my work than what's happening in the world. So there's <laughs> Spelling with Tico, then there's Watiko, the second book of the three, and then there's um, Undreaming Watiko. Those are the three Watiko books. Then there is the book on quantum physics I, I wrote, um, Revelation, the quantum revelation. And that's and that also talks about Watiko, but it's it's basically a deep, deep dive into quantum physics and the profundity of quantum physics. And keep in mind, I'm not a physicist, I'm a layperson. And so when did you write that? And how would we buy that one? Because I know yeah, that one, that one, it's actually out of print. Um you know, on Amazon or in bookstores, but I have copies so people can buy that on my website. Okay. And that one's, it's such an important book. It's being republished by a better publisher next year, a more, you know, like just the newer edition. And, but people can still get copies on my website. Um, okay. And then, um, yeah, you know, so That's I'm good. just happy to connect with people because, you know, to me, the nightmare is to be isolated and not have other people who you can, feel in connection and in relationship yes. with, you know. Well, we're looking forward to a more connection with you because I definitely want to help you get your dream out there because the faster you get it done, because what you just described here is probably one of the most professional and most comprehensive descriptions of the problems we're dealing with in America, with the corrections industries, with mass incarceration, with everything. Right. To turn it upside down, we need people who are thinking outside outside the realities, the right. false realities to get into the dream of possibility so we can be the best we can be. Thank you so yeah, much, Paul, totally. for joining us on this. Thank you. It's, it's totally my, my pleasure and honor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. Please share our podcast with your friends and family. Subscribe at Spotify, iTunes, or from your favorite playlists. At therestorativecommunity.org, you're invited to subscribe to our newsletter, connect through social media, or send us feedback on our shows. If you're inclined to help, you can volunteer, donate, learn more, and connect at info at therestorativecommunity.org. Contributing helps us empower those silenced by oppression so they can emerge into their higher potential. Thank you.